Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I am Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church, and this is day number 600. 600 devotionals we've done on each chapter of the Bible so far. We're well more than halfway through. We're going to have 1,095 total, I think, or 1,045, something like that. But uh, we are well on our way. 600th day, and we're in Second Chronicles. And chapter 25 brings us to Amaziah, another sort of mixed king of Judah. So we will pray and ask the Lord's help as we look at the good things that God did through Amaziah, the ways in which he fell short, and what we can learn about that and how we can see our great King Jesus at work in his kingdom through this history as well. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for giving us life in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for being our Savior and our God, thank you for just being so faithful. Day by day now, for 600 days, we've been in God's Word together, and you've been faithful every step of the way. Thank you. Be faithful again today. Be our teacher and our guide. Be our God, and draw us close to Christ by your Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, Second Chronicles 25. Amaziah was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehoadan of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, yet not with a whole heart. And as soon as the royal power was firmly his, he killed the servants who had struck down the king, his father. But he did not put their children to death, according to what is written in the law in the book of Moses, where the Lord commanded, Fathers shall not die because of their children, nor children die because of their fathers, but each one shall die for his own sin. Then Amaziah assembled the men of Judah and set them by fathers' houses under commanders of thousands and hundreds for all Judah and Benjamin. He mustered those twenty years old and upward, and found that they were three hundred thousand choice men, fit for war, able to handle spear and shield. He hired also one hundred thousand mighty men of valor from Israel for one hundred talents of silver. But a man of God came to him and said, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with Israel, with all these Ephraimites, but go. Act, be strong for the battle. Why should you suppose that God will cast you down before the enemy? For God has power to help or cast down. And Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall we do about the hundred talents I have given to the army of Israel? The man of God answered, The Lord is able to give you much more than this. Then Amaziah discharged the army that had come to him from Ephraim to go home again. And they became very angry with Judah and returned home with fierce anger. But Amaziah took courage and led out his people and went to the Valley of Salt and struck down 10,000 men of Seir. The men of Judah captured another 10,000 alive and took them to the top of a rock and threw them down from the top of the rock, and they were all dashed to pieces. But the men of the army whom Amaziah sent back, not letting them go with him to battle, raided the cities of Judah from Samaria to Beth Horon and struck down 3,000 people in them and took much spoil. 
after Amaziah came from striking down the Edomites, he brought the gods of the men of Seir and set them up as his gods and worshipped them, making offerings to them. Therefore the Lord was angry with Amaziah and sent him a prophet who said to him, Why have you sought the gods of a people who did not deliver their own people from your hand? But as he was speaking, the king said to him, Have we made you a royal counselor? Stop! Why should you be struck down? So the prophet stopped, but said, I know that God has determined to destroy you, because you have done this and have not listened to my counsel. Then Amaziah king of Judah took counsel and sent to Joash the son of Jehoahaz, son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, Come, let us look one another in the face. And Joash the king of Israel sent word to Amaziah king of Judah, a thistle on Lebanon, sent to a cedar on Lebanon, saying, Give your daughter to my son for a wife. And a wild beast of Lebanon passed by and trampled down the thistle. You say, See, I have struck down Edom, and your heart has lifted you up in boastfulness, but now stay at home. Why should you provoke trouble so that you fall, you and Judah with you? But Amaziah would not listen, for it was of God, in order that he might give them into the hand of their enemies, because they had sought the gods of Edom. So Joash king of Israel went up, he and Amaziah king of Judah faced one another in battle at Beth Shemesh, which belongs to Judah. And Judah was defeated by Israel. And every man fled to his home. And Joash king of Israel captured Amaziah king of Judah, the son of Joash, son of Ahaziah, at Beth Shemesh, and brought him to Jerusalem, and broke down the wall of Jerusalem for four hundred cubits, from the Ephraim gate to the corner gate. And he seized all the gold and silver, and all the vessels that were found in the house of God, in the care of Obed-Edom. He seized also the treasuries of the king's house, also hostages, and he returned to Samaria. Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, lived fifteen years after the death of Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel. Now the rest of the deeds of Amaziah, from first to last, are they not written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel? From the time that he turned away from the Lord, they made a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish. But they sent after him to Lachish and put him to death there, and they brought him upon horses, and he was buried with his fathers in the city of David. That is Second Chronicles chapter 25, this really <clears throat> half-hearted and tragic reign, ultimately, of Amaziah. Amaziah sought the Lord, did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but not with a whole heart. He's like someone who is dedicated to the Lord and, you know, wants to be on the side of the Lord, but, you know, not overly zealous. You know, I don't want to take it too far. You want to kind of be in the world. You want to kind of be, you know, mixing it up with the world still and, 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 you know, keeping sort of one foot in the pool and one foot on dry land. That's kind of the thinking of Amaziah here.
there's a pattern that we see here with Amaziah and with these other kings that are in this period of Judah's history where the kings are either, either unfaithful or they're sort of compromised or sort of half-hearted. And that is that several of them now are killed by conspiracy, overthrown, uh, and their descendants put on the throne at an early age. Instability, political instability, conspiracies, um, treachery, division, deep division within the land. These are all signs of the judgment of God upon a people for being unfaithful to the things that God has revealed and God has called them to. And we see that in this period in Judah's history. I also think we're seeing it today in the church in America as well as in America. And so that's something to take to heart here. Amaziah, he experiences some, we could say maybe say disappointment with God in the outcome of this battle that he has with the men of Seir. It begins at the very beginning when he's mustering together the people from Judah and Benjamin, and he gets 300,000 choice men fit for war, able to handle spear and shield. If you remember some of the earlier counts from earlier kings, this is a greatly diminished force from what had been mustered before. Before you had forces of over 600,000 and even close to a million who could be mustered out of Judah and Benjamin, and now they're down to 300,000. Parts of Judah have been taken by Israel, by the Philistines, by the, by the um, Arabic tribes, uh, and, and their population is just down after defeat in battle in, in previous administrations. So he's down. He doesn't have what he thinks he needs. And so he hires an army of 100,000 mighty men of valor from Israel for 100 talents of silver. That's like probably 7,500 pounds-ish of silver. It's a lot of silver. It's a significant amount, but it's being used to, to fund this army of 100,000 men for a campaign for war. This is a temptation that we can face as believers where we think that what God has provided us is not what we expected. It seems to be diminished from what we think we need. And so we can look for ways to compromise or cut corners to get what we think we need. This could be done in a wide variety of ways. Some people might, you know, compromise at work, compromise their ethics and go along with the boss in something that's less than truly ethical so that they can get a bigger bonus or a bigger sale or whatever, lie a little bit, cheat a little bit. Nothing, nothing serious, but it's certainly a violation of God's ethical standards. Or some people might do it on their taxes. They might overclaim certain things on their taxes, or they might cut corners and not really be completely honest with what they're doing on their taxes because they're trying to maximize their refund because they think they need it for their family. Or the church might do it when the church doesn't trust in the ordinary means of grace that God has provided for growing the church in a healthy and faithful way and instead turns to marketing gimmicks and worldly means of getting quick growth within a church. Or perhaps the church says we need to be an influence in the culture. We need to be relevant to the culture. And it's not enough for us to just be the salt and light that God has called us to be. And maybe reaching our neighbors is too much hard work. And so we look for shortcuts. We look for political power or we look for, you know, uh, entertainment influence or whatever we can do to sort of try to make it happen. And this is kind of what Amaziah is doing here. He's saying, ah, here's, here's an army I can get, an extra 100,000 men. I feel much better going to battle with 400,000 than with 300,000. But God says to him through the prophet, don't do that. Don't do that. God's not with them. Don't you know that God 
can cast down your enemy? Don't you know that God has power to help or to cast down? And Amaziah is saying, what am I going to do about the 100,000 talents? And God says, I'm able to take care of that. And so he dismisses this army of 100,000. But the army of 100,000 is mad. So they do go to war. They do defeat the men of Seir in the Valley of Salt, which is a common fighting ground where Judah fights against Edom. That's There's been a number of battles in the Valley of Salt. They strike down 10,000 in the valley. They kill another 10,000 hostages. They've won a great victory. And they come back, but they come back to find that this army of 100,000 They've trampled cities of Judah and they've struck down 300,000 people and they've taken much spoil. And Amaziah might be thinking, I did what God asked me to do. And God said he was able to make up for the loss of the 100 talents of silver. And now I've lost even more. I've lost 3,000 people and I've lost much spoil and many villages have been destroyed. So Amaziah might be experiencing this disappointment with God where he's just saying, God made a promise, and I thought I obeyed him, and I'm not really seeing the outcome of the promise. Of course, God did give them the victory over the men of Seir, and they were able to take much spoil from battle. But still, he's, he's looking at this, and he's frustrated. And maybe that's behind this really bizarre and totally unfaithful decision to go and get the gods from the Edomites, from the men of Seir, and bring their gods up and worship them as his gods. These are the guys that lost the battle. You don't, you don't worship the loser gods, right? <laughs> like they just lost. And so this is, doesn't make any sense in a worldly perspective unless there's some disappointment that Amaziah has where he says, I had a greater army. I maybe could have done even greater things. Instead, God maybe dismissed that army and that army killed 3,000 of my people and ransacked a bunch of our villages. And maybe I could have had an even greater victory if they were with me. Maybe... Yahweh's too demanding. Maybe I'll take these gods because they're less demanding. Who knows what his thought process is, but it's obviously wrong. And he knows it's wrong. And part of how we know that he knows that it's wrong is that when he's confronted about it by the, the man of God, he lashes out at him and says, who made you a royal counselor? Would you be struck down? And so the prophet stops. Whenever we get angry, at being confronted by God's word for our sin, whenever we lash out at the person who's clearly speaking the truth of God's word to us, we need to check ourselves and realize that means we've given in, we've compromised, we are being idolatrous, we are being rebellious, and we're lashing out at the people who are speaking truth to us and who are calling us back to faithfulness. So then Amaziah decides that he's going to go to war with Israel. And this is something way over his head. So first of all, he hasn't asked the Lord. In fact, he's worshiping idols. The Lord didn't tell him to do this. He's just being an upstart. He's full of himself. He's he's foolishly self-confident. And he gets smacked down pretty hard by Israel. And he has to go back and there's Jerusalem's really ransacked and the walls torn down for some 600 feet of wall section torn down and the gold and silver has been plundered and the house of God plundered. So it's, it's terrible, absolutely terrible. And what is he going to do? Well, he ends up living out the rest of his days, 15 years longer. And then 
he's the victim of a conspiracy and they're killed and his son Uzziah at 16 years old is going to be put on the throne in his place lots of things we can learn from Amaziah I've already talked about some of them but I think the single biggest one is that being faithful to God and trusting in his word and in his provision for us his word to us and his provision for us we need to do that even when we feel disappointed with God, even when things don't meet our expectations, even when we don't think we have as much as we we think we should have, right? It's easy to trust God when the cupboards are full and the bank account's looking nice and healthy and everything's going smoothly. But when we're disappointed with God, when, when we suffer loss, when we suffer hardship, when we suffer shortage from what we thought we should have, that's when it really comes home to say, are we going to trust what God has said and what God has given, no matter what. And I would just hope and pray that we would, because Jesus did. And he suffered way, way worse than Amaziah. Let's pray. Father, thank you that your word is always true. Thank you that your provision is always good and what we need. Help us to trust you more than what our own sense or understanding can comprehend. To know that your word never fails and your provision is always perfect for what we truly need. Not always what we want, but what we need and what is truly good for us. Help us to trust in you and depend on you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that is Second Chronicles 25. Tomorrow we're going to jump back to First John. First John chapter 2 is on tap for tomorrow. Hope you can join me for that. Have a blessed day in the Lord.